1: What's up, family? It is Joe Salant, and I am so honored to bring y'all this special War Room presentation. We are introducing in uh, Reconstructionist Radio a brand new podcast, and we are just so, 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 so pumped about this. This is the Monstrous Regiment, and we're going to learn what that means today. We're going to also meet these, uh, these wonderful Kingdom Warriors. Uh, these ladies on fire for justice, and let me tell you one thing. Before we get into this, you ain't going to hear much. Of, you're, gonna, you're not going to hear much from me, but you will hear this. There is nothing more threatening to power religionists than the message of justice for the weaker vessel. Now, some of these ladies are Christian Reconstructionists, and some of them are not, but all of them are warriors for justice, and all of them understand that in order for Christ to be glorified and Uh, for for Jesus to be lifted up in all spheres of life. Justice for the weaker vessel must be established in every single sphere. And power religionists, you are put on notice right now. I would like to introduce the monstrous regimen. Hey, what's up, ladies? How y'all doing? All right. So cool. (laughs) <laughs> I, we everybody mute their mics and everything like that. That was a sort of a whatever. Okay, so look, uh, for the order of introductions, uh, we're going to get into all that. But I would like first one of y'all brave warriors to explain to me what is the Monstrous Regiment? Why are y'all naming this podcast the Monstrous Regiment? Go ahead. Hit us with it.
2: Okay, so first off, uh, the Monstrous Regiment name was originally from the title of John Knox's pamphlet. Uh, the first blast of the trumpet against the monstrous regiment of women. And we're going to deal with that document in our first episode because it really demonstrates what historically men, even men in the church, have thought and said about women. But the title was my idea, so now you know who to blame. (laughs) Um, In that pamphlet, Knox wrote uh, that women have been deprived by God of any and all authority and dominion. And that's why I pushed for this name for this podcast, because I believe that women do have authority and women do have dominion. In Genesis one twenty eight, we get the dominion mandate. It says, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. It says, God said unto them, he did not say this to adam alone and he didn't say it to eve alone he gave the dominion mandate to men and women jointly and severally uh, rj Rushdoony always defined man that is human humankind in terms of dominion right uh, a, a human being is one who has dominion and one who does dominion work so if you take away dominion and dominion work from women then basically you've dehumanized them and they will be frustrated They will be bored. They will feel exploited. Uh, In fact, as Gary North points out in Victims' Rights, they will be slaves. So this podcast is an opportunity to talk about what it means for women to be made in the image of God, what it means for us to have dominion, and what it means for us to work jointly and severally with our men to press the crown rights of Jesus Christ. Um, We had a lot of discussion about whether Monstrous Regiment was an appropriate name for this podcast. We didn't want to come across as rebellious. But the fact is that rebellion is like love. It's an action that can be good or bad depending on what is being loved or what is being rebelled against. We all want to be in submission to scripture. We don't see ourselves as rebels in that sense. But we do want to go to war against pagan ideas. Um, The original Monstrous Regiment pamphlet is thoroughly pagan in its ideas, and we're going to demonstrate that. Um, Throughout history, to a surprising degree, Although women have worked hard to demonstrate their abilities and to accomplish amazing things for the kingdom of God, they've always had to fight against this pagan idea that women are somehow inferior just because they're women. I mean, I wish you could hear the language. Uh, One word Aristotle used is deformed. Um, William of Tyre, a Christian historian, says handicapped. And, And this kind of language is commonplace right through history up to the last century. As a group of Christian women addressing cultural ideas, we want to turn those pagan ideas on their heads. We won't declare peace with this pagan view of women, and that is why we are the Monstrous Regiment.
1: (laughs) Fire, fire. Y'all are in for a treat. Our listeners... At Reconstructions Radio, are all soldiers, are all warriors for the most part frontliners, and this is why this podcast is just going to be so exciting. Not only is it just going to be something. This is not. I mean, what we had on the um, what we had on the description was that this is not just your typical Christian woman's podcast that limits itself to like the female passages, Proverbs thirty-one, Titus two. Uh, this is how you can be a helpmate. All this other kind of boring women podcast type. These are warriors front line of Susanna that was fire and with that let me go ahead and call on you to introduce yourself first what uh what can we expect uh from Susanna Roundtree what do you go where, what is your what's your background what's your bio
2: okay well um, I'm Susanna Roundtree I'm Australian and I'm an author of historical fantasy fiction which is written from a Christian covenantal perspective on history and I know I get a lot of flack for writing fantasy Joel McDermott was pushing on me on it last time he was here and I said you know what writing fantasy is all about acknowledging the spiritual world and I don't believe the question is whether we have spiritual power or not the question is which spirit is going to grant that power so I write fantasy just because I believe it is true to life so I've written and published a number of works, including uh, Pendragon's Heir which is a retelling of the King Arthur legend and a series of fairy tale retellings set in all different corners of the globe. Uh, you can find my work at Amazon Kobo iBooks, basically wherever ebooks are sold. But the project I'm most invested in at the moment is a nine-book series covering the 200-year history of the medieval Crusader states in Palestine and Syria, and right now I'm working hard on getting book one ready for publication that will be titled A Wind from the Wilderness. It's informed by four years' worth of study in Crusader history. I've read the medieval histories. I've read the latest in academic Crusader scholarship. I'm um, really excited about it. It's going to be very historically uh, accurate. So basically, I'm an author and historian, and I'm a Reconstructionist. I've actually been a Reconstructionist for 30 years now, so I'm not a johnny Come lately at this. <laughs> <laughs> I've written for Calcedon and American Vision, I, I have a law degree. I got that in part because I wanted to know more about how the law works today as compared with how it ought to work. And, um, and I have an early memory of my mother telling me that I probably shouldn't marry the little boy down the street because his family didn't believe in the abiding validity of Old Testament law. So mm-hmm. I just want you all to know, if anything about this podcast bothers you, you can send your complaints to Arnold and Zoe Roundtree, of the Victoria, Australia round trees, because I'm totally, their fault.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, you covered, you covered basically what I was going to ask you. Is that your exhortation for us? Give us some, what, I mean, what, what, what should we do, Suzanne? I mean, what, um, what, what would you speak to the people now? What, what would you have us do?
2: Okay. Well, first of all, I would not um, describe myself as a feminist. I don't like using that term but I do want to see women given full dignity as image bearers of God. As we've been preparing this podcast, I've been thinking to myself, wow, this this is a bit of a change for me. I've, I've always believed that women need to be dominion women, that we have authority as servants of Christ. But I've also spent a lot of time writing and arguing against feminism over the course of my life, and i realised lately that I've lost my taste for that. At some stage, I stopped thinking that feminism was the big enemy. So I was trying to pin down when that happened, you know, and I realized it happened when I had a conversation with my friend Christina and we were discussing feminism as we often do. And Christina said something along the lines of, you know, I think feminism is dead. Feminism has already hit the self-destruct button. And I asked why and she said, well, you know, feminism has embraced transgenderism, now we've got actual men trying to prove that they can be better women than women can be. And that made a lot of sense to me, and it's only made a lot more sense as time goes by. Uh, A few years ago there was a radical leftist feminist website called The Toast, and it was run by a woman named Mallory Ortberg. Well, The Toast is now Toast. It had to close down. And not only did it close down, but the site's founder, Mallory Ortberg, She's now living as a man named Daniel. And I'm sorry, I can't imagine anything that could possibly be worse for women than saying, you know, being a woman is not so rotten. I'm actually going to call myself a man now. Like, how is that good for women? <laughs> anyway. So- At
1: this, but, you know, the only thing that could keep feminism alive, and that was fire, Susanna, once again, the only thing that could keep feminism alive, the left's, uh, leftist feminism, uh, would be. The Christian right wing, that is the only thing, uh, right wing conservatism is the only thing that could bring life into this dead ideology that uh, really defeminizes women and uh, demasculizes. I mean, it's its the only thing. So real, real true Christian reconstruction would see feminism on the one side. Right. And then and then uh, patriarchy on the other side is kind of pagan manifestations. And what y'all are presenting is really kind of right down the middle. It's really the heart of the gospel. Would you agree with that?
2: yeah I think so, and I think we really do need to recover a um a Christian perspective on women um Christina and I were having this discussion about the death of feminism, and she added something that that really made me stop and think. She said she thought that there was a backlash coming there's a there's a new generation of men now who feel so aggrieved by feminism and that they basically just blame women for all their problems. you know the kind of thing you know the website's like I don't know, Dalrock, and I think Return of Kings is one of them. This is really ugly, scary stuff. This is not just libertines who brag about seducing vulnerable women. It's also Christian men who want to go back to a John Knox style of patriarchy. Like, this is not a joke. I have spoken to men on Christian Facebook groups who tell me that women are too emotional to think straight and that it's the job of men to save us from our irrationality. I have... Wow. (laughs) It's nonsense. It's vile nonsense. And I realise... You know, if my friend is right about this, if this is the future of our culture, then Christians have a whole lot of house cleaning to do. And we what? can't just be about attacking feminism. That ship has sailed. We need mm. to have our eyes on the horizon. We need to be preparing the just biblical alternative, not just to feminism, but also to this pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows. Come on. And we need to get this sorted out before that tidal wave hits because it's going to be so much stronger and so much worse than feminism ever was. You know, I've got no trouble with the fact that men usually earn more than women, they're physically stronger, they have more social influence, but that's why I believe that this podcast is so necessary. As the church, we need to show our culture what the Bible says about women. We need to be a place where women can come for help, and that's why we need this podcast.
1: Come on now, come on now, right there, Susanna Roundtree. Thank you so much, uh, fire-breathing scholar, rising, rising author. Support her work, and y'all, y'all just—I know y'all can't wait to hear more uh, from this warrior for Christ of uh, the Monsters mm-hmm. Regiment. Now a uh, woman who has always, since I became an abolitionist, this woman has always kind of had my back. Uh, you know, Kate Robinson is a warrior on the front line. She is a monster to evil out there. And uh, just a, just a really, really down sister in Christ for for the cause of righteousness and justice. Uh, Kate Robinson, introduce uh, Reconstructionist radio audience to uh, what you're going to bring.
3: Okay, um... I, so I have to apologize. I was going to write notes for this, and then I got very busy um, painting my house and starting a business and things like that, so I, I'm just sort of winging it here. But um, I'm Katie Robinson. I'm 35. I'm older than Susanna and nowhere near as accomplished <laughs> and greatly admire her work. Um, I, have a, I have an addictive personality, especially when it comes to reading, just as a side note. And when I find an author that I really like, I just read everything they've ever written. So I'm in that process with Susanna right now. I'm, I'm on like book six or something, but, um, I am a longtime abolitionist or at least long time as abolitionism, you know, exists. I wasn't one of the early, early adopters, but I've been an abolitionist for four or five years No, more than that. Cause I moved here four years ago. So more than that, but, um. I've been an active abolitionist. I've produced videos and a lot of propaganda and have been involved in a lot of the different projects that abolitionists have done. Um, I just finished working for the Dan Fisher campaign, which a lot of abolitionists were actively involved in and thank you all for your support there. And being finished with that, I just launched a birth photography business, which I'm about to uh, make super successful. So let's see how that goes. But, um, for me, um, you know, I used to be, I, I, had a very weird cognitive dissonance in the ways that I thought about and believed about things, especially regarding women. And it was easy to, uh, maintain that because I, I used to live in a very charismatic environment where it was a lot of what feels right or what seems really, um, you know, revelation or whatever. And so I was able to simultaneously being in an environment where the pastor would allow me to preach from behind the pulpit. Um, Don't stone me. I don't do that anymore. Um, But also was very, very abusive and domineering and frequently told me that women were inferior because of the fall, that we were rebellious. Any, any time that I challenged him on anything scriptural, I I was told that that was my female rebellion to authority rising up. And um, so that was kind of the environment that I existed in for a long time. And at the risk of, I know that there are people who hear some of the testimonies that we have and, and will say, um, well, you've been personally abused and you're projecting your experience onto the rest of Christendom. In my case, quite the opposite is true. I thought that all talk of sexism, all talk of um, injustice toward women was a feminist thing, was a faux victim mentality. I thought the experience I had had with, with pastors and um Various men in my past was the exception, not the rule. Even though it kept happening over and over again, um, and so I was surprised when I started to get into get involved in other. You know, I sort of came out of charismatic background. I mean, I still, you know, I started to to get involved with other branches of Christianity that I hadn't been exposed to, and seeing that those things are just as rampant in different forms in different places. And I never set out to have this conversation. I just was watching the things that were going. I was perfectly content to be quiet and let other people do the talking. But it's like these things kept popping up over and over and over again. And I experienced over and over again what Susanna described, being told that, um, you know, I'm too emotional to handle a conversation, having the things that I'm saying, the content of what I'm saying dismissed because um, I'm just an emotional female Um And then a lot of different things happen in the culture. And like Susanna said, you know, the feminist worldview is sort of crumbling on itself. And they're finding out that their worldview is impossible to maintain. Um, And this should be a great opportunity for the church to recognize what's going on and to see the low-hanging fruit and to step in and say, that compassion that you guys are trying to manufacture from your broken worldview. We have the real thing. Let us show you why it's safe to be here. Why, how we minister to, you know, the truth to the lost. And I've been super grieved to to see that, um, the majority of the response by the church has been the opposite of that. People hate feminism so much that they've thrown the Bible out with the bathwater and chosen instead to, um, you know, they, they don't – we talked about this before on our podcast, Joe, but they don't engage with the ideas anymore or even think about what they hate about the ideas. They just hate anything that looks or sounds like that. And right. so when people start taking up the true call for justice and mercy, it it just gets dismissed as, oh, that's feminism, that's bad, and, and thrown out the window. So – um but you know, as an abolitionist, I said I was going to tell this story. This, at the risk of sounding like a cheesy, charismatic pastor, I was uh, I was working in my front yard this week, <laughs> and I was trying to dig up these just massive trees in my yard, and I, I found out that the roots of them were so intertwined with other ones around the same patch that I I couldn't pull it up um, without getting to the actual root under the surface and dealing with the other weeds that were growing in the same area. As an abolitionist, I'm passionate about the abolition of abortion. I work for it every day. But I do not think that the church will ever abolish abortion if we continue to ignore or nurture and grow the other weeds that are growing up that the roots are intertwined with. I think that abortion apathy in the church did not happen in a vacuum. It's not the only thing that the church needs to become aware of and repent of. And it's not the only thing that um, triggers a pride response in people who hear the message. And so I'm nervous about this podcast, honestly, but I, I'm super excited to get to know these ladies. They've already been a great influence on me and helped me learn a lot. And uh, so sorry that went a little long. but No, that, no, that was, was, that
1: was Blaine. Blaine. Thank you, Kate Robinson. Kay Robinson. No. What we're, we're dealing with here is, I mean, these, these ladies understand. Look, you know what we're contending with. It, it's a it's a really stupid animal. The the American conservative is a is a very very dumb kind of mind state. Uh, to be an American conservative, this 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 mind state has actually made into a a byword uh, or a, a or an insult. The phrase "social justice warrior" that's supposed to be an insult. So. If you see any, oh, the left has the left has given us the opportunity to take the land, and it's like Christians like no way. I don't want any power. I don't want any authority, and I reject any opportunity to actually take the land for Christ. But I am, I, but I am going to do it. I mean, it, 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 if you think about that, the, the term social justice warrior is rejected as an insult uh, by right wing American. Christians today And so this podcast is an answer to that. This is a podcast that is going to fill that gap and say, oh you want you want to know what a true uh, a Dominion uh, exercising biblical Christian woman looks like? This is the answer. this is going to resonate. Righteousness and the feminine people who I I don't know many normal women who are drawn to feminism. Like, yeah, that's that's great. Uh, The left's right. I don't know many people, but they will be drawn to this right here. So, I we that's why we're so pumped up about it. The door is wide open. Monstrous regiment. That was just Kate Robinson dropping the flame on y'all. Let me pass the mic right now, uh, and introduce Cheryl, Cheryl Nicholson right here. We got a lot of Robinson, Cheryl Nicholson right here, and Cheryl, uh. Uh, bless you, my sister. Uh, what, what? What's your background, and what can we expect from you in this podcast?
3: Let's unmute, unmute
1: the microphone. There. Oh, good. So it's the uh, there.
4: There we How's go. That? Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Well, I I happen to be a Canadian. I live in uh, British Columbia, Canada. So I'm on the west coast. We call it uh, California North. And um, I come to this podcast. I have a history with Christian Reconstruction. I I was actually introduced to it back in the eighties when I was a when I was a young mom. Um, at the time, I was going to a Baptist church, and I'd gotten I'd been saved for a while. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad is actually a retired Baptist minister, and um, I was. Asking myself questions like, okay, I'm saved, and my ex-husband supposedly was saved, and I'm praying that my children will be saved, so what now after we're all saved? You know, go out and try and get more people and stack them up at a spiritual bus stop for Jesus, basically, like Dennis Peacock puts it. And um, at the time, I was uh, invited to go to a conference called Coalition on Revival, and it was there that I, I heard Dr. Rush Dooney for the first time. I was also introduced to people like Dennis Peacock and um, uh, a few others, and I subsequently also had the privilege of meeting Dr. Greg Bonson about a month or so before he passed away and so um, that kind of started me on the journey of, okay, these people have an answer it 's not just about personal salvation we're actually supposed to do something while we're here. So, you know, I started reading Gary North. I saved all my money. I would I would buy big bags of books from uh, Great Christian Books when they were still in in business and I'd get these big mail bags that were just stuffed full of books by Gary North and whoever else I could get a hold of. Um subsequently I got involved into um a Covenanter church, a a Reformed Covenanter church, because I kind of noticed that a lot of these Reconstructionists were all Reformed. So I started investigating the Reformed faith. And um, about 12 years ago, my entire world came crashing down. Um, I'd been married for 26 years um, to somebody who was um, very much a patriarchalist. He was also involved in a form of kinism. And so power religion, uh, was operating very much in our home and there was, uh, abuse that was taking place. And, um, my, within a three week period of time, I stopped being a homeschooler. My marriage ended. And then three weeks later I was excommunicated from my, my church. So a lot of the abuse that I experienced in the home was being matched by what was happening, um, in the church, there was a there was a dynamic that was similar in both situations. Um, I came very close to losing my faith. I had twelve children, and, and um, seven of them were still living at home. My kids range in age from thirteen up to thirty five right now, um, and um, here I was as a single woman coming out of a very patriarchal church and no resources, like I'd been cut off from my entire support network. And um, I was basically, God, if you're real, you better show up. And at that point, because all my markers for defining myself had been eliminated, I had to start ground zero and say, well, was any of this true? And does God really exist? And is all this stuff that I've learned about you know, Calvinism and God's sovereignty and this stuff, does it actually, does it actually work this way? And so I was pretty, well, I won't say the words that I used to use, but I was very unhappy, let's just say. And um, God just kept showing up. So I finally had to admit by the way he came through, like somebody showed up and paid two years tuition for my kids to go to school while I, I had five different jobs that I was working at the time. I didn't find a lot of help from the churches. What I did find was a lot of condemnation because churches, by and large, are not very good at handling broken people, broken marriages, and abuse. So I, I found a, um, an agency that helps uh, run a women's shelter and, and understands the, um, the dynamics of abusive relationships. And uh, they kind of helped me dig myself out of the hole, and God just kept dropping people um, in front of me to help me at just the right time. Somehow or other, I can't even remember how it happened when I was on Facebook. Somehow or other, I got connected up with a bunch of Reconstructionists, and uh, and I got into do, introduced to the writings of uh, Bojidar Meridov <laughs> and um, Tim Yarbrough, and uh, a few other men. And I kind of went back into my Christian Reconstructionist roots and started going, yeah, there's some answers here that I need to to look at. Um, Over the course of that time, I'd also been involved with um, a group of women. We had a, a group called Bible Wives on Yahoo. And we were all women who were trying to live a biblical life in a patriarchal home and support our patriarchs and we had lots of children. We all homeschooled. And every single one of those women has ended up divorced. And their patriarchs absconded. And so here are all these women who are left without a means of supporting themselves um, and very little help who had to pick up all the broken pieces of their own life as well as that of their children. So one of my my passions is is actually helping women who are in a similar situation to that. Because having, you know... It said the Apostle Paul said to us in, in Corinthians that we comfort others with the comfort that we've been comforted with, and so because I've had some background in it myself, and because the Lord has brought me through it, I'm now in a very happy marriage. Um, I've been able to help other women who have been in similar situations to get past it. Um, I I can't. I looked at feminism. I knew it wasn't right. You know. After I got over being mad at God, I really wanted just what he wanted for me. And um, for me, Christian Reconstruction is not so much a movement where you have... Christian Reconstruction has been happening since the beginning when God covered Adam and Eve with those animal skins. And John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world. And the, the word for world there is cosmos. And he loves the world so much, he sent his only begotten son. So that means that Christian reconstruction is going to happen. Whether it's being done by those who are self professed Christian reconstructionists or by other believers who know nothing about it, God will do this work. Come on. And I just want to be a part of it. Um, I am currently a business owner, I have a health clinic that's been developed in something called um, natural bioenergetics. I'm helping to set up a college. I'm I'm part of setting up a college. I'm going to be an instructor at it. I'll be going back to university for it. But part of what we want to do is establish a new way of uh, treating the human body that also incorporates the soul, the mind, the emotions and the psychology of individuals to bring about health. And one of the coolest things about what I do is, first of all, because it's my own business, I can set it up however I want to. So we were very deliberate in setting this office up as a kingdom outpost. And the amount of times that I've had opportunity to share Christ with people is is really quite amazing. The Lord has really blessed us in, in being able to minister to people in our community. I'm also working in my uh, my city connecting with other business owners uh, through mentoring groups and stuff like that to, to bring the gospel to bear in those situations. Um, And the type of work I do has allowed me to uh, encourage other women and men in their own callings to a ask the question, why did God put you on the earth at this particular point in time? What is his call upon your life? And how can you fulfill it? And then how can you use your calling to extend God's kingdom out into the world? So that's kind of my passion.
1: Praise God! How powerful! How powerful! It, it really, when you—I mean—during your during your testimony, it's—I I, just—I just had this vision of this is a this is a woman who is equipped with the wisdom, understands the full orb gospel, and yet has really felt the claws of the power religion as it manifested in the patriarchy and the kinism. These are two aspects of the power religion that we've been dealing with at Recon Radio for the past year. And here it is. God sends us this this vessel who has who has the scars of these claws on her. And it's one thing if, you know, you'd expect it in some kind of weird form of conservatism or whatever. But Christian reconstruction, how could we tolerate that? How could we tolerate that?
4: Well, the, the effects of the, the fall are very strong. And, you know, revelation is given to us by God. If we don't see our sin, how can we repent of it? And we can't repent unless God gives us the ability. So a prayer that I have consistently is, Lord, where am I being blind? And what do I need to repent of? And, you know, I don't want to leave this life with no fruit I know that we're not saved by grace. Sorry, I know that we're not saved by works. And I also know that any works that we do are because God wills it for us to walk in them. But really the results are his. And at the end of time, we throw our crowns at his feet because he's the only one that's worthy.
1: Amen. 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 Well, straight up, we're here with the uh, members of the Monstrous Regiment. That was Cheryl Nicholson that just uh, dropped some fire on us right there. And wow. I mean, one thing that she said was the church, when she went through this, she was she knew that the church was very bad at dealing with abusive relationships. And then you, you want to know what a, what a powerless church is. You look out in the culture, it's obvious that the religion of the culture is humanism, even though there is 100 million so-called Christians. And there is the, the, the fact that you can't go, that a woman who has been in a relationship like that, uh, cannot go to the church, cannot receive justice for the least, for the, a broken, weaker vessel could not receive justice for the least amongst the, the, where the foundations of God's throne are proclaimed to be is just says so much about the state of the American church today. And shame on us as Christian reconstructionists that, that we could, that we could take that name, that we could say that we have illumination during a time of darkness, and yet that experience would happen to Cheryl. Cheryl, you're going to be powerful uh, for, for our listeners and for anybody that can hear uh, your testimony, your wisdom, and your steadfastness through that. Thank you so much. Um, next up on the microphone, it is my honor to introduce Rebecca Robinson, the uh, the second Robinson sister that we are going to be uh, talking to today, and uh, Rebecca, uh, you 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 have a fiery pen yourself uh, with some of the poetry that you do and stuff like that, and uh, you are a warrior for justice. Tell us about yourself, Rebecca Robinson. What can we expect for your contributions? What's your testimony, and what contribution are you going to bring to the monstrous regiment?
5: Uh hello. Hi, I'm Becky. Um, I am one of the Robinson sisters. Yes, I am number five of eight of us kids, uh, one of six girls. So um, I live here in Norman with Kate and Elizabeth. We all live together. Um, I am 27, and I am a few weeks away from graduating cosmetology school. So I'm working hard and Um, I have been an abolitionist for about five years now, probably about the same time frame as Kate. Um, Elizabeth actually was the first one, first child, first abolitionist. um, And she introduced all of us to abolitionism and kind of helped our family um, learn about all of those things and start to think about all of those things. And it was kind of a time for all, all of us of the scales falling off of our eyes, you know, um, we grew up in a lot of us, the, uh, younger kids grew up in a very corrupt church with a very corrupt pastor. Like Kate said, um, he was a womanizer and a, an abuser himself. And so we learned a lot of things the wrong way and backwards. And so when I was, uh, I think I must've been twenty, twenty-one or 22, and I got introduced to abolitionism and you know, you have that experience where the scales fall off of your eyes and you are, um, awake to your own apathy towards image bearers of God and it breaks your heart. Um, and that started to happen. And I started to see my own Christianity was false and was, um, a whitewash tomb and it was, and it was sick. And so, um, I began to repent of those things and care about my preborn neighbor and, um, it's one of those things where as you start to see, you, you see more and more. And um, I started to read more and think a lot more about these things and the things that are tied up in abortion, like um, feminism and like patriarchy and um, homosexuality and all of these things, prostitution, um, sex trafficking, all that stuff. And um, a few years back, probably, probably four years ago, Um, I read The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, and um, that's when I started that hashtag kill the lizard. I don't know if you've heard of it. (laughs) 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 We did a show. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I started, I I loved that passage. I loved that book, and it started me thinking about those things, sexual sin and killing your sin and women and the objectification of women. And um, so I started to just talk about it more. And it was really just me working it out in my own mind and thinking about it. And, um, you know, you grow up as a young woman in the church and you get taught a lot of things about what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a single woman. Um, for a lot of us, we thought that we basically didn't exist until we got married. So for a lot of us younger girls, we were, um, we didn't have a spot. We didn't exist anywhere. We weren't supposed to fight. We weren't supposed to talk. Um, and I thought that that was a good thing. I thought that it was a beautiful thing that I was waiting for somebody and I was just going to be a wallflower until that time. Um, and then I saw abortion for what it was and I saw the destruction of image bears for what it was. And I, I realized that I, I needed to fight and I needed to have a voice. Um, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit. But no. um, I, I think that a lot of times, I, I said this before, I think that God breaks your heart to help you see things. And so he started to just to break my heart and show me a lot of things with, um, all of this stuff involving the dehumanization of women and the oppression of women, um, through my own family members and in my own life and in my own church, um, I saw it more and more. When you have to be face to face with it and watch it, um, it's hard to stop. It's hard to stay asleep. Um, and like you said, I love poetry and I write poetry and it's something that I uh, care very much about. And so a couple of years ago, I started to write a series of poems um, from the perspective of women. And so I had, I had posted something that was like, I want to hear your stories if you're a woman. Or even I, I had said, if you're a man and you are a husband or a brother or whatever, and you have stories, I want to hear them. And so I had all these women that were coworkers and friends and classmates Um, message me and start telling me their stories. And um, they were just absolutely heartbreaking. So, so many of these. Um, And it's kind of like Kate said, where you think that you grew up in the church and you think that these things aren't really happening that often, or they're not that prevalent, or they're one-offs. And I started to see that it was absolutely everywhere. It was, you know, I had a girl message me and she had been raped like six times in her life by babysitters, pastors, you know, I mean, it's everywhere. And so I started to have to face the facts and face the reality of what was happening. And, um, with the kill the lizard stuff and with my poetry and the things that I was writing and reading and experiencing, um, like Kate said, it wasn't ever, I didn't have a goal or a movement or, or an objective really. I was just figuring it out. And I kind of am still in that place. I'm just figuring it out and and thinking about these things. And um, I definitely feel a little bit over my head with all of these brilliant women. Um, But I'm really here to uh, offer perspective and to offer art and to just continue to open people's eyes to what is happening. Because I think it is very, very important and very relevant. And um, I think we have to start answering that question of, you know, what does it look like to be in a, a Christian and a culture that buys and sells human beings, you know?
1: Straight up. And, and, you know, you're definitely not over your head in the least. I uh, read some of your poetry and uh, I would like to make sure that some of it gets on the, on this thread right here in the comment section at the end, if we can make sure that that does happen. And, um, uh, poetry is one of the ways that, you know, you can, you can say something in a lecture and then if you put it in an art form, it's something that's just going to sting in somebody's soul. And so I can't wait for the poetry that's, that you're going to be bringing also to uh, to this podcast as well. Uh, that was that was that was beautiful, Rebecca. You know, at the end of the day, we, we kind of have this idea that if we're going to take the culture, we have to have strong, you know, numbers and we have to have resources and we have to have the ability to take the seven mountains of power and influence and all that other kind of stuff. If y'all want to know what a warrior looks like, who is going to have the effect of, of serving the least and in serving the least, taking the the places of power, Rebecca Robinson, you embody that. And it's an honor uh, to be on the same network with you. Uh, Let's move it along. And the next, uh, uh, the next uh, uh, fire wielding, warrior of the monstrous regiment a woman that's very dear to me uh she's been a recon for a while she is up there in in pennsylvania and she's always standing for justice as an abolitionist and a recon uh liz Sachs, tell tell everybody who you are that don't that that, they might not know you and what are you going to bring to the monstrous regiment
6: okay um i'm liz Sachs. i um have been a Reconstructionist I want to say for six or so years now. Uh, um, Not long after my husband and I kind of stumbled upon Reconstruction due to some very dear friends, um, we stumbled on abolitionism online. And it was like, well, if we're applying uh, God's word to all of life, then we should really apply it here too. And these people are applying it. And so... um, We've been learning since then about all of the ways that justice and mercy can be applied. And um, so anyways, I'm I'm married to Alan, um, who is a a quiet guy, but still waters run deep, man. Um, And he often is the the thinker behind the things that come out of my mouth, because he'll he'll be saying, well, what about this? What about this? Um, and will be giving me ideas and, and truth along the way. Um, we have six kids. I'm holding number six right now. Um, Elijah, he's three weeks old. Um, so in taking this journey where um, justice and mercy had to be applied as expressionist and faith for all of life and, and what does that look like? And then as an abolitionist, Going, well, they're the least of these, and we need to love widows and orphans, and then coming along and going, but widows, <laughs> and realizing, well, there's a a widows and orphans equation to this, um, and one of the things that I have also been fighting against this whole time, being the more vocal of uh, my husband and I, he's a very hard worker and a very, very deep thinker, but he's not a very vocal guy, so... Um, I've often been the one to, to speak more, to say more. And I've run into this thing where women are kind of expected to exclusively, um, be in the home. And there's a lot of this, well, you should really just, you know, and, you know, and the thing is women, while raising our children is important, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that, um, raising children is not important. I'm raising six of them. I think it's very important. I want my children to love God, and I want my children to apply faith for all of life, too. Um, but I don't have to do that just at my kitchen table. This is something that I can do showing them what justice and mercy looks like, being an example for them of what it looks like. I do not have to be chained to my, my living room, my kitchen. Um, I don't have to stay within the four walls of my home to do this. I can and should be an example to them of taking dominion. A lot of people will say, but Titus two says that women are supposed to be keepers of their homes. Well, that's not at odds with Proverbs 31, which shows a woman who not only goes out into the marketplace and does business, who not only stretches out her hand to the poor and the needy, but who also is a manager of her home. She looks well to the ways of her household. That is an aspect of who she is. Um, so the thing is, oh, I'm sorry. Motherhood is an aspect of who we are. It is not something that we need to idolize um, as as women or as a church.
0: Sorry, as I'm
6: doing my motherhood
3: thing. Um,
6: but we motherhood pointed excluding women who. Um, Maybe are single and not married yet and treating them, dehumanizing them and treating them like they haven't reached their full potential in life until they get married and have some babies. And we also dehumanize women who can't have babies for whatever reason. They may be married. They may be wanting to have a baby. And so, like, we feed this idea that they need to have children. And this leads to distracting idea. This, this leads to selfish thinking that we're not really a woman if we haven't birthed our own child. Mm. And, and it leads to this thinking that somehow the end all and be all of womanhood is uh, having your own babies and staying home with them. And it's really not. It's an aspect of being a woman, an important one for those of us who God has placed in the position of raising these souls and, and of, of teaching them of him bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Um, but that is a season in my life. That is not all of what my life is. And it's not all of what my life is going to be. And if I think of my kitchen table as the only place I can teach them, I do them a great disservice by one day telling them, you're 18, we spent all this time at the kitchen table, now go out into the world and do all these things. I haven't taught them. I haven't showed them. I haven't been an example to them. I haven't trained their hands for war. Mm. Mm. So we, we really, really cut ourselves off at the knees when we... Take our long-term generational view and tie it to a kitchen table. That's what we're doing. We are not teaching the next generations the things that they need to know. We're not showing them what it looks like. I'm not saying you take two-year-olds out into the battle, although I have (laughs) um, taken them to sidewalks, and I have taken them to to abortion clinics. Um, They don't do the fight. They watch the fight. But my older ones They have seen and they have learned And they can hold their own I will never forget we went to uh, This uh, one place in Wyoming people were very very angry And there's this picture that Connor Haynes Took of Sarah with three Adults standing around Her screaming in her face And I was so proud Of my daughter because her hands had Been trained for war and she knew how To shoot those arrows Amen. So Amen. Amen. We need to teach them how to shoot the arrows by handing them the arrows amen. Um, by showing them how to fletch those arrows and going out and shooting them with them by taking them to do target practice. We don't just stay at home. That's not the only place that women can do kingdom work is in our kitchens.
1: Amen. Amen. You want to get rising uh, women in the rising generation to listen to a message that's more appealing than uh, than the feminism that's out there? That is the message from Liz Sachs right there, a weapon in the monstrous regiment as uh, terrible as an army with banners standing for righteousness and justice. It is just such an honor, Liz. Um, Moving right along, and uh, I'm going to have, look, I'm going to have this next next warrior close us out as well. But let me introduce Elizabeth Robinson. Elizabeth Robinson is uh, one of the sharpest minds that I know. Uh, just a really, really, really deep thinker. Uh, she wouldn't take the title of Christian Reconstructionist, though she does believe that she is a Reconstructionist, and uh, she is a fireball. And uh, Lissa, why don't you why don't you break down for us a little bit about what what can our audience expect from uh, from Lissa Robinson, and um, and uh, why is this monstrous regimen so important?
7: Um. Well, I feel really nervous now that I can see myself on here. (laughs) Um, I am my my. I'm Elizabeth Goss. Is technically my real last name because I still have my married name, famously or famously, depending on your perspective. Uh. Both of which are in a very small circle. That we would be either one of those, um, and um, I've I've been an abolitionist for for almost as long as there's been abolitionism, the the resurgence of it in our in our culture. Um, I found um, I found it before there was a Facebook page, I think, and um, um I'm losing my train of thought. And, uh, um, I've been, I found it right in the middle of my marriage falling apart. Um, I'm not like the other ladies in this where I have never been abused by religion. I've never been, abused by church, but as an adult, I've always been a part of churches with people who did, um, were kind and who loved me. And who, who did value my input and did value me as a person and did, um, uh, want to help me in whatever way that they could. And, um, so I wasn't, I was abused by my husband, but he wasn't, he didn't use religion to do it. Um, my ex-husband, uh, he, he pretended to be a Christian because I was one, um, but he wasn't uh he pretty much used anything that he could to manipulate or you would not even if i told you the amount of it believe that it was real uh into my house she didn't know that i was married to him um and just bizarre, bizarre, pathological lying type of things. Um, and the only way that, re- that religion really came into the way that he abused me is that he knew my commitment to marriage and my desire to uh, my belief at the time that I could, that there was anything that I could do to influence whether he was uh, eventually was saved or not or had found salvation. And and my commitment to him and my extreme desire to find a way to make it work. And he would manipulate and use that, but he didn't sort of dominate me with sort of like, you're a little woman, you have to stay in the kitchen or anything like that. He was much more subtle than that. But so, so I don't have like a negative experience personally with power religion specifically. Um, I, um, other abolitionists helped me to get out of that marriage. They helped me to get set up, um, here in Norman where I am now um they encouraged me to to participate there's to... nothing nothing like that but what i did start to notice was that um the, the people had their hearts in the right place they and do and 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 respected me as a person and wanted me to participate but there's no mechanism there's no just the way the culture of church works there's, I didn't belong anywhere. I didn't feel there. I didn't like, I literally just didn't even know where to sit. <laughs> I just felt I, and from the outside, I'm sure it would seem like, what is she talking about? But it just, it, there didn't seem to be, I didn't know where I belonged. I didn't know who to talk to during the fellowship because I had older children and have little babies. And I didn't, I wasn't a housewife and I had to work because I was divorced and, and you know, the women were,
3: Talking to
7: other and the men were, I didn't know where to stand. <laughs> I didn't know who to talk to without seeming sort of awkward. And, and then um, what, I, what I noticed is that even though the, there was no lack, like there was no, the spirit was willing, but the church is completely uneducated about how to help abused women they're completely uneducated the most kind hearted the most loving the most intelligent person the church doesn't believe largely they dismiss psychology um they treat things that are serious brain injuries as actual as sort of just like oh you're emotional oh you're you don't have enough faith and and, and even people who don't believe that they don't they're not equipped with anything else to replace that and so it was just like I don't know what to do. They don't know what to do with me. And I started noticing that. And as I started noticing that and trying to figure out what to do about it and everybody else who also loved me was trying to figure out what to do with about it and we're all trying to learn. I also noticed it just converged with all these other things that are going on in the culture um, with... Um, um, just the cultural moment we're experiencing right now where with, you know, Larry Nassar and, and Weinstein and me too. And just like Susanna and Kate said, we're watching the absolute collapse of, um, the sort of modern humanist, secular feminist movement. Um, and, and the, the harvest of the sexual revolution that is being reaped, everybody's starting to, you know, everybody is starting to realize this is a bitter, bitter harvest. This is not what we, this is not the freedom we wanted. This is not the um, freedom we had expected. This isn't make empowering anyone. And um, of course, most of the culture has no idea what to do with that newfound realization. And they're trying to find a way to catalog it. And I'm looking and I'm thinking that, that this is, um, this is ripe fruit for for, for the church. But I also started to notice that a lot of people, not in my personal closer group, but just people I was communicating with, um, you know, on Facebook and, and in the culture, a lot of Christians were, were kind of gleeful about it. They were like, we yeah, have, well, they deserved it. And they were, they're happy to see people, the enemy, because, because the left to deserves- about wanting to reach lost people, but in function, a lot of the times they're treated like the enemy. And so we're rejoicing in the downfall of the enemy, but our enemy isn't flesh and blood. Our enemy is every lofty idea that sets itself against the knowledge of God. So we should be happy that the ideology is starting to expose itself to be empty and corrupt. We should not be happy about the suffering of the people. We should be reaching in and trying to pull them out and rescue them from that and saying, yes, we see, we know. This is as disgusting as sick. Uh, instead of being sort of rejoicing in, ha ha. ha it all crumbled around them just like we knew it would. Yay. Christian isolationists can be happy or something. Um, I'm much better in writing than in. (laughs) 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 And, um, so it was just a conversion. I was starting to notice some things in my personal life. I was starting as I recovered sort of from my marriage and started to see it more and more clearly. I was exploring all of that. And, and then I was talking to people about the cultural moment that we're in and talking about all of that. And um the more the more I would talk to people about it, the more I would see these little sort of tendrils of just of just really hatred for women, just hatred and fear of women. And I would think I thought it was like an aberration, I would think, well, you know, that guy's a lunatic probably. But you'd you'd pull on that thread a little bit, and and the more you pull on the thread the deeper and deeper and deeper the root is. And I started to notice that underneath the theology of good people, kind people, loving people who don't hate and fear women, to fester under the surface completely unnoticed. Because you can say things that sound like part of Christian orthodoxy, although they shouldn't, but they do. And people think that – they don't think – other good people who, who like women think that you're just being orthodox. But really, this hatred is under the surface, and it's and nobody else notices it, because except unless it's turned right on you. You don't – you think that it's just um, – I'm trying to think of an example of the things that you could say that's just – you know, you just – you can talk about sort of weaker vessels in a way that sounds c- – benevolent and other benevolent people think that you're being benevolent but you're not there there there's there is a really really hatefulness and the more that you sort of poke at it and you think oh this is just an aberration this is just a, a a fringe person and you start talking to them the more people jump in more people jump in and it starts to expose it and expose it and expose it and all of this sort of like sort of poison that's been infecting this, the body of Christ underneath, you know, in the blood, in our bloodstream starts to seep out of the surface and, and, and you start to realize this is, this is not an aberration. Uh, it's not representative of like the majority of people, but it's, it's a strong current, that's that's hiding hiding in christianity and so i started to sort of pull on that rope and tug on it and the more i pulled the you know i i started to realize i'm reeling in a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger fish than i thought exploded and so um personally i never really set out to sort of like make any kind of big statement about women or start trying to to start any kind of mission or start any kind of ministry. I just, you know, I, I was talking to people about the things I was personally experiencing. I was talking, to, um, when, when, when a sister in Christ needed help, I wanted to turn around and help her the way people had helped me. And, um, I, I just sort of organically was trying to respond to, to the culture and to life as it happened around me. um, I'm I'm the least accomplished person on this, on this podcast. I'm, uh, I guess I should have said that earlier. I'm 36. Uh, I've raised one beautiful daughter. I'm raising a son. I work to feed us and that's, that's it. I mean, you know, I have a job that I enjoy, but I don't have any kind of credentials. I don't have any formal education or anything like that. And I'm just sort of taking life as it comes to me. But when, when I'm looking around and I'm seeing all of this happening, the way that it is, and then someone asks me to participate in something like this, um, I can't justify saying no. I mean, I'm kind of a opinionated and have a, like a really big mouth. So I, I'm always like, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say anything. And then I just I say it. I can't help it. I say it, and and uh, I get in trouble, and I make a big mess. But um, I, I didn't want. I didn't want to do that in real time. But I just can't justify not doing it in the in the situation that we're in because um, um, as the as the body and bride of Christ, we will never be successful at transforming the culture with the gospel while we cling to any idol, however traditional, however seemingly. Uh, harmless and while we are unwilling to shine the light of God's word in every corner and test every tradition against it. Rena, it's retarded our growth as Christians. It's turned men and women into shadows of what they were meant to be and diluted the transformative harmony. We were designed to share with one another into a weak, cowardly, discordant, bitter mess. And as long as power religion in any of its forms is allowed to dominate Christian thought, the body of Christ will be a crippled bride, more like schizophrenic, at war with a head, at war with her own body, and instead of a warrior bride, terrible as an army with
1: banners. Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. That was flame. Now I know that we had some interruptions in that broadcast right there, and I assume that we are on right now. Kate, are we, are we rolling right now? Are we live on Facebook still? Okay. Awesome. Cool. So look, uh, we are here. This is uh, the, the warriors from the monstrous regiment. Uh, Alyssa just dropped some fire on us right there. I mean, I, it's just 100% true. There is, there is no doubt about it that we are. That schizophrenic bride. If you look at the bride of Christ in our culture, it's like there is no, there's never going to be a holistic. Victory against evil, whether it's in the abortion holocaust, whether it's against the humanistic incubation centers we know as the public schools, whether we, it's against lawlessness, enforcement, overreaching government taxation, we will never see a unified victory until we get the basics about establishing justice for those that can't establish justice for themselves. That don't that those that don't have the power in the culture to establish justice for themselves. And Lisa, uh, it's just so awesome that we have your uh, that we have your pen, that we have your mind, that we have your voice on this podcast. Do you have an exhortation to take us out or was that it? That was it. <laughs> Beautiful. I think we're going to I think we're going to we're going to close on that. Let me give you all some details real quick for our listeners. Uh, you're going to be able to catch the monstrous regiment regiment. It's going to release every single Wednesday. On the 11th, it's going to start on the 11th. Every Wednesday, we're going to be dropping podcasts on you like Firebombs of Justice. The Monstrous Regiment is going to come directly into your favorite podcast catcher, and you'll be able to get it it there. For the interruptions that have taken place on this podcast towards the end, um, we are also going to have that. Uh, released on this Thursday as a War Room production. So that'll be on the War Room. This episode of the Monstrous Regiment is actually a War Room production. And so you're going to catch that this Thursday, for those enemy ears that are listening and eyes that are probing, uh, Thursday, you can try to take a scalpel to what we've done today and hopefully uh, we'll convert you to the cause of righteousness and justice in the process. Uh, Ladies, Susanna, Kate, Cheryl, Rebecca, Liz, listen, it has just been my honor to spend uh, this Sunday evening with you chopping it up. Uh, thank you all so much for the participation. Thank you so much for being willing to raise your hand and say, I'll go, Lord, send me. Uh, and and to be part of this monstrous regiment pushing down the gates of hell. And uh, it is just, uh, it's times like this where and the optimism that, that I have as a post-millennial Christian is just, it's just overflowing right now. I see I see warriors, I see victory. I thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, if you all have uh, questions for the studio studio audience, if you all have questions, studio audience, I'm in the wrong place. Uh, hey, Facebook Live audience, if you have questions, drop them into the comment section, and we will answer those questions there. If it's a dumb question, we just might hit the delete button. Happy Lord's Day. Happy Sunday for all of y'all. Thank you for joining. Appreciate y'all. All right.
0: Thank you for joining us in the War Room. Please enjoy The Nation's Rage, Psalm 2, By My Soul Among Lions.